So Politik Pedas, what is it? It is just a new mini political series um, that we are doing um, just for the election season. And there's just four episodes. And basically Politik Pedas is just a bunch of conversations with individuals from the political scene, from the Malaysian political scene to get their pendapat, their opinion on Malaysian politics. So there's a wide range of topics here. Um, from political psychology, I know, big words, what does that even mean, to the corruption in Malaysia. But we promise you to bring these conversations in a very casual manner so that everyone can just relate and understand. from email research so basically my research focus is social economic issues and environment issue and sometimes it can be East Malaysia issue and then youth basically is part of my research focus as well so today's topic we want to talk about the 2023 budget and why we want to talk about this is because in this budget surprisingly there were a lot of um, allocations for the youth so maybe by talking about this budget, even though this budget will not be used now since the whole cabinet has been dissolved, but still, we might be able to understand a bit as on what are the government's hopes for the youths and also to give an opportunity to the youths to understand um, what are the opportunities that we have out there for us. So yeah, let's go into the questions. Basically, um, as we know, the Finance Minister Tengku Zafra Aziz has tabled the 2023 budget announcing an allocation of 372,000.3 sorry, 372.3 billion it's not thousand, it's billion <laughs> okay, it's a big amount of money and this actually represents a 40.2 billion increase compared to the 332.1 billion which was allocated in 2022 so amanda this is the first question what are your personal thoughts i just want to know your genuine thoughts to me um there is more cons than pros why i say that basically it's like uh for the pros of budget 2023 i understand that the government is trying to assist every segment of society regardless of race gender and state but there is insufficient emphasis on generating more revenue for the riot to better cope with the increasing cost of inflation. Another pro for the budget 2023 is that um, basically this budget also uh, trying its best to assist M40 group. Uh, for instance, the reduction of the resident individual income tax rate by 2%. For instance, individual with a chargeable income Band between more than 50,000 ringgit to 70,000 ringgit only required to commit 11% of income tax rate instead of 13%. And the second incentive for the N40 is that um, the government plans to offer RM100 e-Bermula e-wallet credit as well. So this is the one of 100 ringgit. And then like... um. Basically, this is the only two pros for the budget, but the cons actually is like um, 
basically you can see like under budget 2023 there is like subsidies social assistance and incentive measure worth 55 billion ringgit but this measure all are short term and knee jerk because riot actually eventually will finish the amount allocated in the budget within weeks especially the moment when they do not have enough disposable income to meet the money expenses why i say that because like now the inflation uh, is uh, getting more and more serious and then the price of goods is more expensive so for instance if every day we have to eat food we also need to allocate more money in food already so besides food maybe uh, the lower income household they would don't not have money to like buy the how to say like the nutritious food or even other items so that's why the income is shrinking already so it's like if they don't have another ways to find more income then they might have to borrow loan to cover their costs and another thing of budget 2023 is that it did not indicate how to assist individual or household in settling their monthly loan repayment so for instance we understand that basically malaysia this year already raised the opr height which is the overnight policy rate for three times which is from 2% in May to 2.5% in September. So basically, it's like for those Malaysians who are servicing housing or car loan, they will face a tough time paying additional accrued money interest because now they have to fork out another like few hundred ringgit just to pay for the housing loan or car loan. So it's like it's more burden for them. And last thing is that this budget 2020 also did not indicate how to generate more high skill and high income jobs is still relatively reliant to the gig economy to generate employment so that's uh the cons that i listed it it shows that the government is trying to help but it is still not effective enough you know to put it in simpler terms and um i think a lot of people um not only people in general i think i've I've talked about this to my friends and um, even in news articles, a lot of people state that youth are definitely featured, you know, they were featured prominently in the budget. But um, even though there were a lot of focus on Dana Muda, a lot of focus on the youth, um, still the framework lacks real resolutions. You know, it is still not that effective and efficient for the youths. So what do you think about that? I feel that um, it's like ideally... The government need to think something uh, to create more job opportunities for the youth but end up it's like some of the youth they still have to become grab driver or delivery rider just to make ends meet so i think the government uh yet to aware the importance of creating more high skill job for the youth so uh due to limited high skill jobs available nationwide youth with bachelor qualification either have to choose under skill job or have to migrate to overseas for better job opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree with this because um, I'm also a youth who is a fresh graduate, who is in the middle of, who was hoping to find a job, and yes, not being able to find a job which would um, fit to my qualification, especially when, you know, you're not in the popular professional jobs you know like medicine pharmacy i'm someone who comes from the stem industry from the science industry but because my course is not you know not per se a very 
known course compared to like the other courses out there, it is very hard to get suitable job opportunities. And I really agree with that. And if you're talking about migration, you know, to migrate overseas, um, a lot of things, a lot of factors come into play. And I think the main factor that we're going to talk about is money. You know, like we already stated earlier that we have higher living costs and a lot of people are generally struggling. So not a lot of people would, you know, would, would be able to have this kind of opportunities as well. So, yeah, I think that is something the government should think about. Maybe this is something the government should consider in the next budget, you know, to um, implement, implement more high-skilled jobs for the youth. Okay, so now, um, one, this is a very popular youth benefit. I feel like some of us, sometimes we are not very well-versed and we don't know all the opportunities that is out there for the youths, which is understandable because... Um, Everyone is generally busy with their own life. Not everyone is like waking up and looking at news portals and realizing the many opportunities that the government might have. But I'm sure everyone knows about the e-Pomula credit program. It has been something that I feel a lot of people, even in my friend group, um, look forward to, you know, because you, you get money, right? Who doesn't like money? Who doesn't like free money? So um, this e-Pomula credit program um, that was supposed to be implemented in the next budget, um, they said that they were going to allocate um, 200 ringgit, one-off, to 2 million youths, which were aged um, 18 to 20 years old, and also to full-time students, which were going to be aged 21 and above. So, um, as we all know, the main reason of this um, Ipumula concept was to make people familiarise with, you know, with paying things online. That is That is the main reason. But I feel that we live in a culture now that everything is already done online. We are very used to online transactions. Online transactions are not a new thing for us. So Amanda, what do you think? Do you think that this is still a relevant thing? Bermula is not the relevant because like uh, e-Bermula, the initial aim is to just to encourage more digital adoption, uh, digital wallet adoption among the youth. But I mean like, because like nowadays, the younger generation, basically they are really digital savvy. They really can use like TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc. very well. So I don't think there is a point to like introduce the e-wallet just to encourage the youth to adopt and then like get the money. And then like I think this one of uh, lump sum also not too sustainable because like um it's just like 200 and then if you use that 200 to um buy food or buy for entertainment you can finish it out within a few days so i think instead of using this uh 200 to like bank into the e-wallet application i think the government actually could consider arranging the student age 18 to 21 to attend upskilling course, for instance, like coding and digital marketing that will be applicable to their future career. Students in this age group will have the opportunity to enhance the employability and earning prospect once they graduate. So it's like the government really need to upskill the youth employability so that they can chance uh, to find the job in the market and then it's like but when the time the government upskill right the government also need to create more high school jobs so to ensure that this uh, youth not only benefit from the upskilling skill but also benefit from the new creation of high school job so i think only these two ways will be workable in the end 
you know, just use it on Shopee or something, and then, yeah, the money's gone. And usually, most of the time, come on, we're all teenagers, right? So, like, we don't really use the money for beneficial stuff. So, what you say is true, you know, if, let's say, that allocation could be used by the government to create more upskilling programs, since, like, you know, a lot of youths complain, and not only youths, but, like, a lot of employees, right, from their perspective, they say that a lot of youths are not... Um, they are not qualified enough, or they are not upskilled enough to take on these jobs, then yeah, maybe the government should step in and create more initiatives and upskilling programs so that youth can upskill themselves and also create suitable jobs that they can, you know, um, they can definitely rely on once they have graduated. Okay, cool. So now let's move on to youth opportunities. So those were basically a bit of what the government has implemented for the youth just now in the budget. Now we're just going to talk about what other opportunities we have out there. You know, like, is Malaysia really all bleak and, you know, has no opportunity for youth? Or maybe there might be some things that maybe we can consider, but we haven't really considered, you know. So the first thing I want to talk about is startups. I think startups has been a very big focus by the government, if you see um, the 2023 budget. From extending the angel, the angel tax initiative, for those who might not know what angel investors are, angel investors are investors who basically have a very huge amount of capital and they have the ability to invest in startups. So um, the angel tax initiative has been extended and also um, the government has also allocated around 30 million ringgit to the Malaysian Co-Investment Fund. And these two initiatives just show that the government has startups in mind. And we also live in this kind of entrepreneurship culture where in social media, it's not very uncommon to see people telling you to not settle in for a nine-to-five job, go and be your own boss. That is the only way that you should be living life nowadays. I think a lot of us have definitely heard this kind of um, sentiments. So, Amanda, what do you think? Do you feel that all youth should consider entrepreneurship, especially since the government is providing opportunities towards startups? Actually, to me, I think not necessarily all youth have to be the entrepreneur because like, uh, if the youth, uh, they have the business idea and also the ability to scale out and they also have the finance, then they actually can become the entrepreneur. But if, let's say, they have financial constraint and then they not sure uh, where their product uh, will be uh, had to, like, uh, whether they can, like, successfully go through the launch product phase still uncertain, then... Um, in that case, I think it might not be that uh, helpful because like if let's say the youth still have to borrow more money or borrow from maybe like the informal institution to uh, get more money to start their business, it might not be worthwhile in the end. So if let's say uh, they have the business idea, but they not really have the experience to execute or maybe not really have the experience to uh, produce that product, then they maybe can get relevant working experience in the related field first. Then like, then like after getting like few years of working experience, then they can consider to become the entrepreneur. I think that might be more relevant to me. And actually for Malaysia, entrepreneur uh, ecosystem is that normally the entrepreneur they will get the funding from the initial startup phase. 
but when the time during the experimental or maybe like the launch product phase normally they do not have like sufficient money to sustain it so i think like in order to have more youth to become the entrepreneur the government need to ensure that the funding not only is in the initial startup phase but also in like experimental phase and also like uh, launch product phase that will be more ideal it's a good initiative but maybe the government should also look more into it so that you know it could be more holistic that's what amanda said and yeah um, i think this is something um, all youths who are considering startup or entrepreneurship should also know that you know you might get enough funding at the initial phase but you also need to make sure that these funds are sustainable until you launch the product so yeah that that could be a very long time. It is not like it's not something that you might necessarily get it done in a year or two. So I think these are all things that people should also consider as well. Okay, other than entrepreneurship and startups, right? What other job scopes? What other field that you should be aware? You know that you feel like the government is also focusing on. So the government actually did provide initiative for aerospace, creative industry biomass industry and smart farming in uh, industry so i think like these are the few sectors that the youth can look into and then like um, maybe the youth can look into smart farming even more because like uh, for malaysia basically we have the food insecurity problem and then if let's say uh, more youth involved in smart farming like uh, urban farming then uh, they can help to like provide the country with more food so like to ensure like more population able to obtain what they supposed to have like vegetables or rice or chicken or egg these are the basic element that um malaysian require actually so basically the urban farming is like a more towards planting vegetables but if let's say you want the chicken or you want the egg you need to ensure that the chicken brother have the environment to feed the chicken so they can produce more chicken and also can produce more egg and uh, i would like to advocate to the government that uh it's like basically if let's say you want to control inflation it's supposed not to have the price control measure or even export ban measure anymore because if let's say these two problems still persist our country will lose out from the neighboring countries because like for instance singapore they last time used to uh, rely one third of the chicken supply from Malaysia but because now Malaysia they restrict the supply of chicken to Singapore so in the end Singapore they have to find another neighboring countries which is Indonesia to like set up the chicken farm there and also like uh, to uh, get the supply from Indonesia so eventually Malaysia were not able to uh, supply more chicken to Singapore and Malaysia will lose the competitiveness so it's very scary even in the current political instability we have a lot at stake so if we are going to like lose out on the current opportunities that we have then it's going to be even more dangerous for us so I think that is something everyone should think on and yes um, 
smart farming is definitely a thing that has been going on for a while and i think we as youngsters right we should lose this kind of stigma that <clears throat> this kind of stigma and mindset that working in you know hard labor jobs like farming is like uncool or it's not very glamorous you know because um i think um, it could also gain its own revenue it can also gain its it can give its own uh, gains as well so i think that is something you should also consider getting themselves into so yeah that's something i think a lot of us should think about okay uh we are towards the end of the session thank you so much amanda for all your um, wonderful answers it's also very um easy for us to understand uh you know to just briefly understand what is the government's stand and you know what is the government's focus for you in general but like how we know um due to the dissolution of the cabinet we know that this budget is like no longer valid, right? So, how do you think this budget is going to like affect the future one? Sure. So basically, uh, for uh the budget twenty twenty three, if let's say the coming election, if BN continues to attend the government majority, then they will require to table the budget for the newly elected member of parliament to debate and work for or against the budget, else. If the new administration is mainly formed by BN, uh, not not BN, sorry, is PN or PH, there is a possibility that they might reconsider drafting a brand new budget 2023 and table it in later months. And then because like uh, for the current political landscape basically, right, um, it's like not necessarily being BN will form the governing majority anymore. And then it's like you can see that not only BN uh, is contesting, but also PN and also PH. So if let's say this uh, three uh, pi is like they divided and then also like uh, how to say it's like let's say if we have one cake divided into three. But if let's say this three is like in the end, the result is like uh, BN got 30%, PN got 30%. And also like uh PH got thirty percent, so that means like we don't know who really can be the government in the end, especially Peninsula side because Peninsula normally is dominated by these three political correlation, but for Sabah and Sarawak is a bit different. I'm from Sabah, so uh basically Sabah is like they have some local parties involved as well, and then like uh there is one party which is Party Warisan, they are trying to uh obtain the most seat as they can so at least they have the bargaining power to talk with Sarawak which is GPS and then from there they can form a Borneo block from there so if let's say if we look into the East Malaysia perspective if uh, Sabah and Sarawak they manage to join force together and be the kingmaker by attending more than two-third majority of East Malaysia parliamentary seat which is 37 out of 56 parliamentary seats, the budget 2023 might be a bit different already from what it initially tabled. It might have to incorporate more items which will ensure fair financial allocation to Sabah and Sarawak already. So that's the difference, I think. Do you hope for this um, budget to be tab tabled all over again? Or how is it for you? Uh, for me, I hope the budget can be revised, definitely, because like as what I mentioned earlier, the budget basically lack of emphasis on job creation, lack of emphasis on how to solve the inflation, 
also a lack of emphasis like how to assist the household to settle their housing or the car loan and also like the fourth one actually this budget also not really have much allocation to Sabah and Sarawak yeah I definitely agree because you know Sabah Sarawak is a part of Malaysia and people have been talking about this for years already they deserve the same sort of opportunities that the people in Peninsula are getting so yes this is something the government should also focus on as well I mean even I personally I hope that you know the budget can be reviewed and tabled again cool so that is the end of this session thank you so much Amanda for all your time Change the world, I give the wheels to the body